Well, hey, everybody, it's Adam Shell, the pastor at Melbourne Heights, and welcome to our sermon podcast. Now, over the last couple of episodes of this podcast, we have been talking about what it means for us to have faith during this time of social distancing to try to stop the spread of the coronavirus. So a couple of weeks back, we talked about the fact that we, as people of faith, we are supposed to be different. So we should be responding differently to this unusual and difficult time than the world around us. And part of what that means is that instead of being afraid or instead of feeling a lot of anxiety during this time, we need to trust in God. And then last week we talked about some practical things that we could all do to live out our faith during this time of social distancing. And this can be little things like thinking about uh, what we post on social media before we actually post it there. And it can be bigger and more important things like donating to local food banks or food pantries to try to take care of those who are most in need right now. Well, in today's episode, we are going to be wrapping up uh, the series where we're specifically thinking about how we can live out our faith in this time of social distancing. And we're going to be digging deeper into something that it means for us to be followers of Jesus. And part of what it means for us to be followers of Jesus is that we have to be willing to deny ourselves, to take up our cross daily, and to follow him. So we have to be sacrificial. So let's get right into this week's sermon and think more about what it means for us to make a sacrifice. I want to start out this morning by telling you a story. And this is a story that happens to Dr. Tony Campolo, the well-known preacher and public speaker. And this story takes place as he was coming back home to Philadelphia after a speaking engagement on the West Coast. And as Dr. Campolo tells the story, he was able to catch a red-eye from the West Coast back to Philadelphia, and his flight arrived at 8.30 in the morning. As he got off of his plane, he was met by his assistant, who told him that they had overlooked a speaking engagement that was coming up at 10 o'clock that morning, just an hour and a half after his plane had landed. So as they rode over to the speaking engagement together, his assistant informed Dr. Campola about what this event was. It was a world day of prayer service, and Dr. Campola had been asked there to deliver a missionary-themed message. Dr. Campola was able to arrive on time, and as he was waiting to make his way onto the stage, the woman who was leading the event started to introduce him, but before she invited him onto the stage, she shared with the entire group that was gathered there a prayer concern that they had just received. This prayer concern came from a doctor working in Caracas, Venezuela, that the group was well acquainted with. She was serving some of the poorest people in that entire country, and she had reached out to this group to let them know that she needed to raise $5,000 to build a medical dispensary onto her clinic so that she could continue to serve her patients there. The woman leading the event then turned to Dr. Campola, welcomed him onto the stage, and invited him to lead them in a word of prayer before he started into his message. She asked that Dr. Campola would pray that God would provide the $5,000 that this doctor needed so that she could build this medical dispensary to continue to serve her patients in Venezuela. Now, I want to pause right here and just explain to you why I started with this particular story. And it's because right now we have something in common with this group that was gathered for this World Day of Prayer service. Just like they had one shared prayer concern about this doctor in Venezuela, we all have a shared prayer concern right now, too. We're now a few weeks into social distancing to try to stop the spread of the coronavirus, and most of our prayers are focused on this. We are all praying for people who have been infected by this virus. We're praying that the spread of this virus can stop, and we're also all praying that our lives can get back to normal as soon as they possibly can. 
So we all have this shared prayer concern that we are lifting up to God together. Now I want to get back to the story and tell you how Dr. Campolo responded to this woman's request to lead the group in this word of prayer. Now, again, let me remind you that this woman had requested that Dr. Campola would lead them in prayer, asking that God provide the $5,000 that were needed by this doctor in Venezuela so that she could build this medical dispensary. And I'll also remind you that Dr. Campolo had just gotten off of a red-eye flight and he was exhausted, so he wasn't thinking as clearly as he normally does. So before he could stop himself, he responded to this woman's request by saying, No. No, he wasn't going to lead them in a word of prayer asking that God provide the $5,000, but here's what he was going to do instead. He was going to reach into his pocket and pull out all of the cash that he had and lay it on the altar. And then he was going to go around the entire room and ask everyone there to do the exact same thing. And he told them right out of the gate, he wasn't asking them to write a check or anything along those lines. He wanted them to give all of the cash that they had on hand. And then he would pray and ask God to cover the difference. So, Dr. Campola reached into his pocket and he pulled out all of the money that he had. And remember, he just got back from a trip, so he didn't have very much. He pulled out $2.25 and he laid it onto the altar. And then he turned to the woman leading the group and he asked her to do the same. She smiled in one of those hesitant kind of smiles that we all get when we don't know exactly what we should do. And then she looked at Dr. Campolo and said, thank you, I think we all get, your, get the point. And he said, no you don't. My money is on the table, now it's your turn. So the woman reluctantly reached into her wallet and she pulled out $110 and placed it onto the table. And this got Dr. Campola going. He then said, now we have $112.25 sitting on the table. And he pointed to the next person out in the room and he said, now it's your turn. And that person slowly made their way up to the altar and laid her money there. And he went one by one all the way around the room. It took over 25 minutes for everyone in the group to come forward. And once everyone had come forward and given the cash that they had on hand, they counted the money that was there. And do you want to know how much money they collected that morning? Not $5,000. They collected $8,000. Dr. Campola goes on as he tells the story to say, How dare we? How dare we turn to God and ask him to provide when he has already given us all of the resources that are needed to meet these requests? And I want to tell you the exact same thing is true for us and the prayer request that we are lifting up to stop the spread of the coronavirus. God has given us the tools that we need already to make sure that these requests are fulfilled. That's why we are social distancing. That's why our government is making these recommendations that we stop meeting together in groups that are larger than 10, and in some states that number is all the way down to just two people. That's why we're being asked to stay in our homes as much as we can. That's why we're being asked to telecommute into work. That's why elementary schools, middle schools, high schools, colleges, and universities, and daycare centers have been closed down. It's to stop the spread of the coronavirus. We, we know what we need to do, but the question is, are we willing to do it? Because right now, is a hard time for the church to hear this kind of request. We have Easter Sunday coming up in just a few days, and we all want to be able to go to church to celebrate the resurrection of the Lord. 
We want to be able to go in and experience Easter the way that we are used to experiencing Easter. We're, we want to be able to pull into our church's parking lots and struggle to find a parking spot because it's a little bit fuller there. We want to be able to walk into our sanctuaries and struggle to find a seat because there's just more people crowded in. We want to hear all of the special music that, that the music ministry, whether it's a praise band or a choir, is put together for that day and the message that the pastor has prepared to deliver. We want to celebrate Easter the way that we are used to celebrating Easter. But right now, it doesn't seem like we can. Right now, we need to be willing to put all of those plans on hold to make sure that we stop the spread of the coronavirus to take care of our country, our world, our community, and those brothers and sisters in Christ that we worship in this building with. We, as people of faith, we are called to be different. We've talked about this over the last couple of weeks. We are called to be different. And one of the ways that we are called to be different is we are called to be sacrificial. But most of us never have to make much of a sacrifice in our lives. And the idea that we may have to sacrifice our Easter Sunday services is heartbreaking to us. But I want you to stop and think about what it is that we are remembering when we gather on Easter Sunday. We are remembering the sacrifice that Jesus made when he laid down his life for us. Jesus gave his life for us. And all we're being asked to do is to give up a few weeks of worship services so that we can stop the spread of the coronavirus and come back together into our normal lives and our normal activities when it's safer for everyone. It's not a huge ask. And Jesus actually tells us in the Gospel of Matthew that this is what is required of us who want to follow him. In Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 through 26, this is what Jesus tells his followers. Jesus said to his disciples, All who want to come after me must say no to themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. All who want to save their lives will lose them. But all who lose their lives because of me will find them. Why would people gain the whole world but lose their lives? Jesus tells us that part of what it means for us to be his followers is that we have to be willing to deny ourselves and what we want and take up our cross daily to follow him. Now, Jesus doesn't go into detail uh, in this particular passage in Matthew's gospel about what the cross is like. And that's because Jesus doesn't have to explain to the group that is gathered around him that day what the cross and what a crucifixion is like because everybody that was there, everybody that heard Jesus speaking would have known exactly what it meant to take up your cross. But us, we're a couple thousand years removed from Jesus' crucifixion. So we don't really appreciate what he's saying here in this passage the same way that the first people who heard it did. For us, the cross is just a symbol of our faith. So we've turned the cross into a shiny symbol that we like to stick on the top of our buildings so that people will know that a church is meeting there. Or we've turned it into a little gold or silver trinket that we like to hang around necklaces so that other people will know that we believe in Jesus. Or we've turned the cross into a marketing tool that we slap onto a business's website or onto bumper stickers so that people will implicitly trust us, even with those businesses that aren't so trustworthy. But that's not what the cross was really like. 
The cross was not initially a symbol of our faith. Instead, the cross was a bloody, brutal, painful means of execution. That's right. The cross was an implement of mass execution that was used throughout the Roman Empire for 800 years. Over the course of those 800 years, hundreds of thousands of people would have died on a cross. Truth is that during Israel's final failed attempt to overthrow the Roman Empire around 70 AD, so many people were crucified in the city of Jerusalem that were told there wasn't enough wood left to make another cross. Let that sink in for just a second. Let that sink in for just a second. At one point, Rome crucified so many people, so many people in Jerusalem, that they ran out of wood. So there's no doubt. There's no doubt that crucifixion was Rome's preferred method of capital punishment. But why was that? Why was the cross Rome's preferred way of punishing their criminals? Well, the Roman emperor Tiberius, who just so happened to be the emperor when Jesus was crucified, he explains that he preferred the cross because it prolonged a victim's agony without them gaining relief by death. Because in Tiberius' mind, he believed that death was an escape. So an execution wasn't really a punishment. For it to be a punishment, Tiberius believed that the victim had to suffer as much as possible before they died. Dr. Truman Davis, a medical doctor who has studied the physical effects of the crucifixion, he describes just how agonizing it would have been when Jesus was crucified. Here's what he writes. He writes, as the arms fatigued, great waves of cramps would have swept over all of Jesus' muscles, nodding them into deep, relentless, throbbing pain. With those cramps, the inability for a person to, to push himself upward would have also come. So hanging by his arms with the pectoral muscles or the muscles that connect our, our chest to our arms, they would have been paralyzed. And the intercostal muscles, which are the muscles that run between our ribs, they would have been unable to act. Air could be drawn into the lungs, but it wouldn't have been easy for it to be exhaled. Jesus would have been fighting to raise himself up in order to get even a one short breath. Finally, the carbon dioxide would build up in his lungs and in his bloodstream, and the cramps would partially subside. And spasmatically, he would be able to push himself upward to exhale and breathe in just a little bit of life-giving oxygen. And this limitless pain would have gone on for hours. Cycles of twisting, joint-rending, cramps, and intermittent partial asphyxiation. Searing pain as the tissue on his back would have been torn open again from the lacerations he received when he was whipped as he was moving up and down the rugged timber of the cross. And that's really when the worst agony would begin. Toward the time of death, Jesus would have felt a deep, crushing pain in his chest as the pericardium, which is the membrane that encloses the heart, slowly filled with serum and began to compress his heart. But then it was almost over. The loss of tissue fluid would have reached a critical limit, and the compressed heart would have been struggling to pump thick, heavy, sluggish blood into the tissues in the body. His tortured lungs would have been making a frantic effort to gasp in even the smallest amount of air. 
His hydration, the, the, the dehydration in his tissues would have sent a flood of stimuli into his brain. And ultimately fatigue, intense pain, and muscle atrophy would have rendered a victim of crucifixion unable to lift their body up to draw in one more breath. And they would die because of a lack of oxygen. That's what the crucifixion was really like. Crucifixion was a horrible way to die. It was a terrifying way to die. It was an excruciatingly painful way to die. And Jesus told his disciples that if they want to follow him, they have to be willing to take up their cross every single day. They have to be willing to die to themselves in an excruciatingly painful way every single day so that they can follow him. Now, the question that we all need to ask ourselves right now is, are we really ready to make that kind of sacrifice? Are we really ready to deny ourselves and take up our cross to follow Jesus? Are we willing to put other people and their needs ahead of ourselves like Jesus did? Because that's why he came and died on the cross in the first place. It was for our needs. It's because of our sin, our separation from God. That's why Jesus came into this world and laid down his life, to end our separation. So he gave his life willingly to help us out. But what about you? What about me? What about all of us? Are we willing to make that same kind of sacrifice and put other people ahead of ourselves right now when our world is struggling, hurting, and in need? And like I said at the beginning of this message, we all want our lives to get back to normal as soon as they possibly can. We want to be able to go to restaurants and eat when we want to eat. We want to be able to go out to grocery stores and be able to pick up canned food goods and toilet paper without having to worry if the grocery store is going to have a supply. We want to be able to send our kids back to school and we want to be able to go back into our offices and spend some time with our coworkers again. And for us as people of faith, we want to be in church. We want to be able to gather together in our sanctuaries and worship with each other. But right now, we are being asked to make a sacrifice. Right now, we are being asked to put our lives on hold for just a little while for the good of the world. Jesus came and laid down his life because of his love for the world. And if God loves the whole world, we should love the world too. We should be willing to make the, same, the sacrifice that we're being asked to make to follow all of the protocol of social distancing for as long as we need to follow the protocol of social distancing. And if that means that instead of going in and sitting down and eating at a restaurant that we have to go through the drive-thru or order takeout instead, that's okay. If that means that it takes us a little bit longer to find all of the necessities that we need to find when we're out shopping at the grocery store, that needs to be okay. That means that if we, if we have to keep our kids home from school and oversee and homeschool them ourselves, that we have to be okay with that. And that means that if we in the church have to cancel some in-person services for a while and worship online or through radio stations or podcasts or whatever else, we need to be okay with that too. We need to be willing to make a sacrifice because of our love for the whole world. Now, I want to stop right here and... 
point back to what happens earlier in the story from the Gospel of Matthew that I shared because most of us as people of faith, we've heard this story. We've heard Jesus tell us that anyone who wants to come after, after Jesus has to deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow him. But are you aware of what happens right before that in the story? Because right before that in the story, this is what Matthew tells us. He tells us that Jesus had begun to show his disciples that he had to go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders, the chief priests, and the legal experts, and that he had to be killed and raised on the third day. Then Peter, Peter took hold of Jesus, and scolding Jesus, Peter began to correct him. God forbid, Lord, this won't happen to you. But Jesus turned to Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You were a stone that could make me stumble, for you were not thinking God's thoughts, but you were thinking human's thoughts. Then Jesus turns and he tells all of his disciples that are gathered around him that all who want to come after Jesus must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow him. Do you see what Peter was doing in this passage? Peter was being selfish. He couldn't bear the thought to think that his master, his teacher, the person that Peter had devoted the last few years of his lives to following, may not be there anymore. And Peter was going to do everything in his power to make sure that that didn't happen. He wanted to make sure that himself, his needs, were taken care of. That's what a lot of us are thinking about right now with all of these social distancing restrictions. We're thinking about how they are impacting our lives, the sacrifices that we're having to make. And we don't like these thoughts. We don't like the thought of not being able to eat in our favorite restaurant when we want to eat there. We don't like the thought of having to struggle when we go out to the grocery store to find our basic needs. We don't like the idea of not being able to buy as many canned food items or as as many rolls of toilet paper as we want and having stores tell us that there are limits to these purchases. We don't like the idea of having to keep our kids home from school indefinitely, and we definitely don't like the idea as people of faith that we may not be able to worship together in person anytime soon. So we want to rebel a little bit. We want to be selfish along the way. We want to say that this coronavirus is not that big a deal. It's not impacting people too much that are under the age of 60. We don't have to worry about any of this stuff that's going on. We want to pull the wool over our own eyes and not accept that the world is hurting and in need right now. We want to do the same thing that Peter was doing inside of this passage in Matthew's Gospel. We want to look out for our best interests, instead of the interests of the entire world. Now stop and think for just a minute. What would have happened if Jesus went along with what Peter said? What would have happened if Jesus refused to go down to Jerusalem, refused to lay down his life, to give himself up as a sacrifice for us so that we could be reconciled to God? What would have happened? Now let me ask you the same thing. What's going to happen in the world around us if we refuse to make the sacrifice that we're being asked to make right now? What's going to happen in the world around us if we refuse to follow the guidelines of social distancing? If instead of of avoiding meetings with 50 or more people, what happens if we start having church services again every single week and our sanctuaries are filled with people? What happens if instead of following the guidelines that go along with grocery shopping right now, that we go in and we try to hoard everything that we can possibly get our hands on? What happens in the world around us? 
I'll tell you what happens. The coronavirus continues to spread. Panic begins to grow as more and more people are unable to get the basic needs that they have taken care of. The world suffers because of our selfishness. And sadly, this is happening a lot inside of the church and inside of the Christian community. Uh, There's still far too many churches across this country who are refusing to cancel Sunday morning gatherings. There's still too many faith-based institutions that are refusing to follow the guidelines of social distancing. Matter of fact, I heard earlier today about one of the preeminent Christian universities inside of the entire United States of America that is going to go back to business as usual as soon as spring break ends having in-person classes for their students, in part because they believe that younger people aren't greatly impacted by this virus. That's not what it means to follow Jesus. What it means for us to follow Jesus is we have to be willing to make sacrifices. We have to be willing to take up our cross daily, to deny ourselves in what we want so that we can follow God. And God tells us, plainly in Scripture, in one of the most well-known verses in the entire Bible, John 3.16, that God so loves the world. So for us to follow him, we have to love the world too. That means that we've got to put ourselves second, and we have to put the needs of the world first. We need to be thinking about what we can do to stop the spread of this virus. We need to follow those guidelines as best we possibly can. And we need to do that to protect the world around us, our country, our community, our family, our friends, our fellow church members. spoke with a member of our church earlier this week, and he put it very bluntly to me. He said he's following all of these social distancing guidelines as closely as he, as he possibly can because of his age and because of his medical history. Because he knows that the likelihood is if he contracts this virus, It would be fatal to him. We don't think about that. We don't think about that. That our decisions right now could be fatal to our friends and our family members right now. So yeah, I know it's hard. I know it's hard to think that we're not going to be able to be here uh, in person for at least a few more weeks. I know that it's hard to think about the reality that Easter Sunday is probably going to come and go without the doors of the church being open for in-person services. I know that we are being asked to make a lot of sacrifices that are difficult right now. But we have to be willing to make these sacrifices together. This is the time that we as people of faith can show the world around us how much God loves the entire world. And we're not being asked to do that much. Jesus was asked to take up his cross and die in excruciatingly painful death. Us, we're being asked to stay home. I think we can handle that. So be willing. Be willing to follow these guidelines. Be willing to be sacrificial. Be willing to lay down your wants and your desires so that the world around us, so that your family that your friends can be healthy and safe. Let's pray together. God, you know right now that we are all praying the same prayer. We all want this coronavirus, COVID-19, the spread of it to end as quickly as it possibly can. We want people who've been infected by this disease to be able to recover from this virus. We want 
the virus to stop spreading in our communities, and we want our lives to get back to normal as soon as they possibly can, God. But we also know that that's going to take time. And God, you've told us, you've shown us why this is going to take time. Social distancing takes time to stop the spread of this virus and this disease, God. So help us be willing to make that sacrifice. We know that it can be done. We've seen that it's worked uh, around the world in places like China that are able now to start returning to life as normal after making months of sacrifices for this. So God, allow us to be your people in this time, to be faithful to you and what you call us to do. Challenge every one of us to take up our cross every single day, to deny the things that we want most in the world right now, so that we can help the world that you love so much. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hey, it's Adam again, and I just want to thank you for listening to this episode of our sermon podcast. And I hope that this episode's sermon, that it's challenged you, that it's challenged you to put yourself last and to put other people first, that it's challenged you to be sacrificial, because that's what it means for us to be followers of Jesus. Jesus was willing to enter this world and to lay down his life for us. So we need to be willing to lay down our lives and the things that we want and desire for other people too. Now, in our next episode, we are going to be uh, entering into the Easter season. Next Sunday is Palm Sunday. So we're going to be talking about Palm Sunday and what that means for our faith. And then we're just a couple of weeks out from celebrating Easter together on this podcast. So as always, I encourage you to subscribe to this podcast and whatever your favorite listening app is. And if you subscribe, all of our episodes will be sent straight to your inbox. So as always, I want to let you know that I'm praying for you guys this week, especially in this time of social distancing is a lot of us are starting to feel a little bit of cabin fever and a little bit of isolation. I hope that you have a great week this week and I will see you back here next Sunday for another sermon podcast.